<laughs> Angels sing. Yeah, no. Was it my grace or my personality? I know, it was your eyes. <laughs> Welcome to episode one of Macros and Mindset, Bariatric Living and Beyond with Patricia and Dr. Kristen. Hey guys, welcome to episode one. We are so excited that you're here. We have so much to cover. Um, this has been a, a whirlwind activity trying to get everything together and find a producer and get all of this done, but we're here and we're ready to go. And if you guys can picture the arm going, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's been kind of crazy. It's like, yes, we're finally doing it. This is, a, this is really awesome. Okay, so today we're going to start off um, with actually just some introductions because we realize that not everyone knows who we are, and I'm sure that we will have listeners that... Um, you know, we'll be interested to find out who we are. And so, Dr. Kristen, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and what brought you here? Well, put me in the hot seat, will you? Totally, <laughs> totally. I think how this all started, right? Did we start back at the beginning? <laughs> back in the beginning when I was just a wee lass. <laughs> Gosh, I, we can go all the way back. Um, I, I even though we've had some time to talk about it, and where do we even begin? Where do we start? Yeah. Um, again, this is this is about. Okay, so the give me the thirty second snapshot of what took you to the point of having bariatric surgery. Can you do that? Wow. Uh, like, what was the turning point? What was the moment when you said, "Oh my God, something has to change. I'm going to do this." That moment was when my husband said to me when our son was probably six or seven months old, mm -hmm. it's not a matter of what you look like. I don't want you to die. Oh, okay. And it hit me because I didn't realize, even though I knew I could see myself in the mirror, mm -hmm. um, I avoided the mirror. Uh, as we all did. As we all did. Yeah. <laughs> that I was big. I minimized how big I was. Absolutely. Yeah. And oh, I, I don't look that bad. Yeah. I don't look that bad. Yeah. I'm not that big. Right. I'm really right. not that big. Yeah. And they're bigger. They're bigger. And <laughs> I, I probably, I think the highest I got was a size 28. And, uh, the number on the scale is I, I broke from most when it comes to those things. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense that I don't actually know what my official highest weight was. I don't either. Yeah. And so there are tons of people out there that are, you know, oh, I weighed 370. Mm -hmm, I weighed mm -hmm. this. Um, I can tell you that the, the day that I gave birth to my son in 2012, I was um, 375 pounds. Okay. And that was after I gave birth. Right, right, right. Um, I know that I had lost, I had gotten down to 330. Mm -hmm. And then in the year after, I had ballooned up to somewhere in the 420s. Right. Somewhere in the 420s. And I don't know what that highest weight was. Right. Now, let's all remember, and, and because people don't know, you're also very tall. I'm 5 foot 11. Yeah. I'm 5 foot 11. So that does factor into these numbers right, a little bit. Right, yeah. 
Now, the other thing is I had gone to the doctor in 2012 and originally was planning to have surgery then. Mm -hmm. And that was when I had gotten a call that was like, oh, I'm sorry, we're not able to do your surgery. Why? Because you're pregnant. And I had previously talked to the, so I had planned to have surgery in 2012, Mm -hmm. found out I was pregnant, had to postpone it, gave birth to my son who is a lovely, healthy little person now. Exuberant Exuberant personality. Personality. (laughs) He takes after his mother. (laughs) He's also very tall. He's also very tall. He looks like he's 10. He's a five foot seven year old. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that time after I thought, oh, well, I'll just lose weight breastfeeding because that's what my friends did. Mm. No, Mm -mm. it's not what happened. Mm -mm. (laughs) And so then we decided that it was time for me to go and have um, weight loss surgery. And I opted for the sleeve. And um, that was my decision. And the thing that I talk about in... um, my most recent book, Release Your Regain, which was my doctor, was also a sleeve patient. Oh, that, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And he told me, uh, and I wrote about that, he said, I want you to know that after the honeymoon period, if you want to eat 3,000 plus calories a day, you will be able to. And so you'll need to be very cognizant and very aware of mm, what you're eating. Absolutely. Yeah. And that stuck with me. And he said, you have to watch the grazing behaviors. You have to be aware of that. You have to be careful. And that was very poignant to me. And so that's carried with me ever since. Right. Uh, and so it was through my own post-op journey of recognizing um, my difficulties with food. Mm-hmm. I can remember the first time that my family ordered Chinese. And at that time, maybe I should go back. We moved from Seattle to Atlanta, and that allowed us to pay for my surgery out of pocket because insurance, I was not qualified by insurance. So we paid out of pocket, lived with my family for three years. Talk about commitment. (laughs) Talk about commitment because... It's a lot of family. That's a lot of family and a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) Like... That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. (laughs) A whole other podcast. That was a lot of therapy (laughs) after that. Um, But I lived with them for three... We lived with them for three years and then saved up again to to buy another house locally. And so that was... I I use that as, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. how I knew that this was something that we... and, And that... It was an investment in my health. Absolutely. And I didn't go to Mexico. I had um, surgery in Seattle. And again, after the fact, I talked about, um, again, in Release Your Regain, the um, cheeseburger in the blender incident because I thought I could have pate. I won't. That's probably a tough. I don't even I know. want to imagine I know. what that was I like <laughs> from a um, nutrition standpoint or any- just from a food. Right. Gross. Right, right, right. But I wanted a cheeseburger so, so bad. bad. And yeah. I was probably like somewhere between six and eight weeks. Yeah. Um, which goes to show you how, where my mindset was with food. Yeah. And how that was such a difficult journey for me. And there were quite a few wake-up calls. In 2014, um, I started to feel suicidal. That yeah. I never yeah. talked about yeah. before. Or hadn't really talked about. And reached a point where my identity, I didn't know who I was anymore. 
Right. And the identity changed. And so I started seeing therapists mm -hmm. and going to therapy and they didn't understand because there's not many that understand weight loss surgery. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't have an eating disorders diagnosis mm -hmm. and <laughs> there were a lot of different things. And yet I, I had started also in a PhD program at the, I was already in one at the time and started to do my own research. Right. And this was when I was like, there's nothing out there. There's not much out there. And I, so I started to create it. I started to create it. And then it was in 2016 and into 17 that I started developing content and founded Bariatric Mindset um, because I knew that there had to be something else. Absolutely. That there had yeah. to be something more. And um, so fast forward, I've lost 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. um, I've kept it off for this is will be my seventh year surge anniversary. Now with that, I will say I have regained 12 to 15 pounds twice right. and lost it right. both as a result of um, unfortunately miscarriages. So mm -hmm. I got, um, I had gained the weight during a short lived pregnancy and Unfortunately, they didn't go to term. So, right. um, but then I just, you know, refocused on my nutrition and, and fitness right and, and it came right, right back off. Right. And I knew I wasn't freaked out about it. You know, my doctors were like, this is normal. This is, you know, what's going to happen. And mm. then unfortunately when I had miscarried, then it was like, okay, it's, you know, back on, not that I wasn't on track. It was just like, right. it's more of like a focus. Well, nutrition process. changes with pregnancy. So, yeah. I mean, and there is a natural weight gain that happens. So. Yeah. It has been an evolution and, you know, I could talk and talk and talk, but to kind of be more succinct, the thing that I think I had become aware of in my post-op journey was how many of the mind games I played with myself as a pre-op right. and how much I had been embedded in the diet industry and the diet mentality and how that contributed to my sickness. And I was consistently looking for shortcuts and I would negotiate with myself. It was almost like, you know how they say, don't negotiate with terrorists. Well, it, that terrorist lived inside of me. <laughs> you can't get rid of it if it's in you. <laughs> you just have to reform it. You have to, yeah, reprogramming. Mm -hmm. And what I had learned was that I was constantly negotiating and belittling myself and it was this entire cyclical process of hating my body, hating myself, fighting with food, mm -hmm. um, fighting with others because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. At 18 months post-op, I realized I had, I had an anxiety disorder that I didn't realize that I had because I had been self-soothing with food. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the depression was the grief and loss, which I didn't even realize it, the grief and loss of my coping mechanism. And of course, the identity shifts of who am I now? Who am I now that I don't have food to soothe? To soothe. Who am I now? Because I've uprooted my life. I uprooted a practice. Mm -hmm. And this was right at the beginning of starting a practice here in, in Georgia. Who am I now? What what purpose do I have? What is this? And it was, it literally 
was this complete transformation. And yet while I was going through it, it was ghastly. It was awful. Like transformation is not, it's ugly. It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly. And people and the media portrays it as like, <laughs> angels sing. Yeah, no. Right. It, yeah. It, it, There's ugly tears. There's, it's, it's, it's yeah. a hot mess. It's heart, heart wrenching. It's, it's heart painful. It's, yeah, it's, it's ugly. Yeah. And there's a lot of light bulb moments mm-hmm. and I am grateful for those. And I am grateful that I had recommitted to journaling and I recommitted to therapy and I got into coaching mm-hmm. and not just into me becoming a coach, but me getting coached by others because people would call me out on my BS. Absolutely. Oh my God. That's such a huge point is you've got to surround yourself. Even Kristen and I surround ourselves with other professionals that can, like she said, call us out on our BS because, you know, while we're the voice and the leaders of many, we still need to be led as well. And we need, we need that support system. So that's, I'm really glad you shared that. And Oh, there's no such thing as perfect. I am not perfect. Nope. You're not nope. perfect. Nope. And so nope. <laughs> I I still go through this process of having goals and wanting to achieve things. And I think that one of the misnomers is that once you get to goal, whatever that goal is, whether it's mm. your doctor's goal or your your own personal goal or a size goal, that you have to figure out what your next plan is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once you hit goal, I see people all the time cycling through, well, now what? Yeah. And that's part of the identity process. And that's part of what happened to me. Well, the work never ends. The work that, never the, ends. It never ends. It just changes and it, it, it looks changes. differently, but it, it never ends. I don't care after you've hit your goal, you know, four years later, 10 years later, 12 years later, the work never ends. And as soon as you stop working, you start going backwards. 1000%, 1000%. And so it was, um, going back to that perfectionistic thing, I started to get into my doctoral work and started on my dissertation and my mentor said, well, you're doing work in the field, right? And I was like, well, kind of, you know, and she said, well, you need to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started writing articles and they were really received well. And then that's when I had gotten my first speaking engagement, um, at an obesity conference. And I was just really putting myself Mm -hmm. out there. And that was the first year, or that was the year that, um, bariatric mindset success came out my first book. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. Well, thank you. It was terrifying (laughs) though. That's how I found you. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrifying though, because Mm -hmm. it was okay. You need to put yourself out there my mentor, I said to her, but wait a minute, I'm not perfect yet. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not a a size six yet, which by the way, I'll never be a size six because I'm five foot 11. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Yet the, the thought, that thought process was ingrained in me is that I can't do X because I'm not perfect yet. And that was a huge aha moment. And that took me to this huge awakening and a series of other awakenings, which I like to call uncomfortable truths. Yes. Which we will get to. Which we will get to. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And part of the uncomfortable truths, um, I mean, there's this a series, and we'll, we'll talk about those 
it's what we don't want to face on our journey. Right. And yet when we do face it and when we are able to acknowledge it, that it can actually open the door to love and compassion and it can actually help to reprogram those old thoughts and old beliefs and um, <laughs> kind of like that negotiation with the terrorist. You know, yeah. I'll do this and then you'll do this. And then part of that whole process of the negotiation or what I like to call it is actually damaging our self-trust. Right. And so this whole time, uh, and my weight started ballooning right about puberty. So my weight loss journey probably goes back to when I was 13 and mm -hmm. I had surgery. Gosh, now I can't remember how old I was. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe 35, mm -hmm. maybe 35. So I, from 13 to 35, that was how long I had been dieting. That was how long I had been hating my body. That was how long I'd been looking at magazines, wishing that I could have a flat stomach, wishing that I didn't have cellulite on my legs, right. wishing and hoping and working out and dieting and negotiating that if I didn't eat this or if I could just mm -hmm. dot, 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 right. that maybe I could be accepted, that maybe I could be loved, that maybe others could actually see me. Mm -hmm. And there were other innuendos through my life. Um, sure, I'd heard the pretty face comment. It was not as much as... Uh, you your eyes. I'm sure you got lots of comments on your eyes. Yes. Yeah. Because she has gorgeous eyes for those of you who haven't well, seen Well, thank her. you. You do. I got... Because I used to get the hair comment. It was always my hair. You Everybody always hair. talked about my hair. You have beautiful like, hair. But you had the eyes. Yeah. yeah. The eyes. And then the other, it's, it's always goes back to if you could just, mm -hmm. if you could just. And I, I can even remember being 14 and coming back from swim. And I was, I was an amazing swimmer. Mm -hmm. And having a second helping of meatloaf and my father going, you just work that off. Are you going to eat that wink? Like, <laughs> you know, so wow. there, there are just layers and layers of the, the fear-based stuff, mm -hmm. the put downs, the you're not good enough because you're not thin, the obesity mm -hmm. bias, years and years of that, that had led me to hating my body. Well, and the comparison to your friends. Yes. I mean, I, I know that, and I know I'll share my story here just a little bit, but you know, I know that one of the things, especially at that age, I didn't look like my friends. And, you know, at 14, 15 years old, which is when my weight started coming on, it, it wasn't necessarily that I was overweight. It was because I was curvy and I started developing boobs and I had a tiny waist and I had hips and I, you know, had this hourglass figure and none of my friends did, not one of them. They were all fairly flat chested and, you know, still very thin, but I was curvy and that I don't look like anyone else. So obviously there's something wrong with me. You know, so, and, you know, being tall, I mean, I'm five, nine, you know, so I was taller than everyone else. Yep. I mean, so I get it. I mean, being five eleven, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, so it's just, so that whole mindset just really messes with you. And that started for both of us in our teens. Yeah. And the comments of, oh, you're so tall, you could model. Well, you right. can't, maybe you should plus size model. Uh, and then there's a dig there. Yeah. I, first of all, let me say that I love, I think plus size models are the are amazing, the bomb. Yeah. the bomb. 
Um, and the digs, though, right. that go back to obesity bias. And well, then it was a different time then. It was a different time. I mean, it was a different time. I mean, it, you know, I did do some plus size modeling in my late teens and early 20s, but I was almost ashamed to tell people I did it at that time. Now I wouldn't be. I'd be screaming from the rooftops because, I mean, you look at some of the amazingly gorgeous plus size models that are out there that, you know, and, and then there's the whole push of, are they really plus size or are they just healthy? You know, I mean, right. it's like, what is, I mean, so there's, I are mean, they just the, normal women? Right. Just normal women. And, you know, we could, t we could, again, make a whole episode out Tangent. of that. Maybe we will. Um, but you know, okay. So I'll, we'll continue with your story because, well, I mean, it's, it's, pr that's pretty much it is yeah. I think that for me, I've been fighting my entire young adult into adult life to be accepted, yeah. to be seen, to be heard, and to be acknowledged. And um, that's how I think my overachieverness <laughs> started was, how do I stand out? Yeah, how I do no I... idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I, you have no <laughs> idea. How do I become you know, an individual, mm -hmm. how do I, how do I do that and not, you know, be seen as the fat girl right? or, um, which again, that goes back to obesity bias or to have thought is lazy. Oh, that's another thing I had written about in, in bariatric mindset successes. I'd worked at a gym and I remember the owner telling the manager, I don't know if I want to hire her because you know, fat people are lazy. And I was the best employee that he had. The gym has since closed, but <laughs> that's like many years ago. But it was a local establishment, and that was something that I felt like if I could just fix my weight problem, mm -hmm. life would be good. Mm -hmm. And that is such a false remark because the the weight wasn't the core issue, right? Although I had made it a core issue, and although the weight was problematic in a lot of ways, well, it's a factor. It's a factor. It's a factor in a huge issue. Correct. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we don't want to discount it because it was a factor. Right. But. Yeah. So I went into psychology and I have a doctorate in psychology. Woohoo. Yeah. Woohoo. And my, my dissertation was actually on the, um, was on post-operative lifestyle change for women who have undergone bariatric so surgery. Cool. Imagine that. <laughs> and so this has clearly been a huge passion of mine because there are so many psychosocial factors. There are so mm -hmm. many um, emotional factors, mindset factors, nutrition factors. And I never planned to be sitting here mm -hmm. <laughs> doing a podcast. Like if you asked my 20-year-old self, do you know that in 20-something years, you're going to be essentially a health coach in mm -hmm. some ways, that you will... Um, have written a couple books on weight loss yeah. and that you will be guiding others to this. I would have laughed in your face. Yeah. I would have laughed in your face and run Yeah, because oh. I would have been terrified. Yeah. No way would there I have ever. No. No way. Mm -hmm. No way. And so this process has been very much an unfolding as I have been my own first patient <laughs> right? in, in the discovery of how do I heal? Right. How Which do is, I heal I think, myself? And again, I think this is what makes what you do so incredibly valuable in, the, in our industry. And, I mean, if we look at the, the statistics, there's 
and again, I pulled numbers recently, it's like 256,000 people in the United States alone every single year are having bariatric surgery. Holy crap, you guys. Okay, we're talking a million people in four years having bariatric surgery. And shrinking your stomach doesn't make the mental health issues no, go away. it doesn't. It doesn't make the body image issues go away. Nope. It doesn't make the eating disorder issues go away. It doesn't make the low self-esteem or the low self-worth go away. Nope. There are some people who do have a lot of, like, I had a huge boost in confidence. Mm, totally. And yet, I still had things to work out. Yeah. There were still symptomatic issues. And so that's the core that, yes, you can get your stomach cut. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily fix the other issues. No. And that is, it can help. It can help. It, for sure it does not fix. For sure it does not fix. So. So well. that is essentially my story. Like that I have realized that while I have been given this amazing blessing of a tool, if I, perfect example, oh my gosh, I just got it, click. I somebody can give you, somebody, <laughs> I, I use this as another example somewhere else. You can, you can get a Maserati. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to drive it and you don't know how to turn the corner, you're going to crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be given this amazing tool. And if you don't know how to utilize it and you don't know how to gain access and be aligned to your core truth mm-hmm. and that you, if you cannot access your own core truth and understand your relationship first with yourself, and how your relationship with yourself impacts your relationship with food. Right. And how potentially trauma impacts your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And how your emotions impact your relationship with food. If that is not first and foremost, it doesn't matter what nutrition plan you're on. Nope. Doesn't matter how much fitness you encounter. I mean, and again, but, you know, and those of you that know, you know, me know that the whole purpose for what I'm doing is I wanted not just the nutrition piece. I realized very, very quickly in my own journey, which I'll share in a moment, that we had to have a mindset piece and that we also had to have a fitness piece because, you know, if I look at bariatric patients that are the most successful, they have that combination of all three. They do. So, and it, that's what's most needed in our industry. So, yeah. So it, all the healthy nutrition in the world all the fitness in the world will only take you so far. If you don't fix the mindset piece, it's so easy to fall off track. It's so easy to go backwards. It's so easy to, you know, to get through the first year, the first two years, and it's like you're sailing along, you're doing great. Because, totally. the, because the tool's doing the work for you. But if you don't fix the mindset piece, what, do you, what then? What, what then? then? What and then? then that's why, you know, we have people 5, 6, 10, 12 years coming back and saying, oh, my God, I regained all my weight. Or I've... I never hit my goal or I've done nothing but go back to that same diet mentality I had that destroyed my metabolism in the first place and I need help. Well, so. and I think that's another important piece and that's why I've moved into coaching because yeah. I think there's so many therapists out there that can do the trauma work right. and I will refer them to go do the trauma work all day long. DBT, CBT, EMDR, mm-hmm. like go do that. I want them to do that inner work with their therapist and then come back and for me to give them the mindset tools in a, in a coaching impact. And I have so many clients that have so much success when they do both. Right. And 
I, I feel like I'm coming on my own, um, creating my own methodology over here that would work very well with therapy, but it is not therapy. Right. So what I do is, is although I have a background in therapy, what I've been doing with people is not therapy for a very purposeful reason. Mm -hmm. And I do think that they do need therapists. And I tell all my clients with therapists, tell your therapist, I'm not stealing you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am not stealing I'm you. I'm just enhancing. I'm just, it's just, yeah. you know, therapeutic enhancement, right? Yeah. And it's very directive. And therapy is very um, soothing and it can be cathartic and it can be working out all of those issues. And then you also need, in therapy, I had never called anybody out on their BS, mm -hmm. but in a coaching space, I feel very comfortable calling somebody out yeah. all day long. Yeah. Well, and accessibility too. Accessibility, I mean, yeah. You have, I know that, you know, we have therapists, we have dietitians, we have nutritionists that we can go to, but we get to see them once every three or four months or, you know, with a therapy situation, it might be once a week. Whereas in a coaching situation with either of us, you've got access to us a lot more. Right. I mean, daily in some circumstances, depending on, you know, how you choose to work with us. Right. And that's where, you know, what happens from that therapist and with the tools that you then help them discover how to Correct. use. Right. That's where the big, you know, the big changes happen. Right. That's where that, that shift really occurs. Right. Is that daily you know, reinforcement, that daily tweaking, that daily accountability, the daily checking, you know, I mean, and, you know, I know for a fact that you have clients that, you know, you'll do a four month program and you'll have clients sign up over and over and over and over again for that same four month program because they just want to keep working on those tools. They want right. to, you know, keep making progress forward because, you know, it's going to go slow at, at times. And well, and habits aren't built in a day. Right. They're developed over time. Over time. So it's not a one and done thing. It's no. not just, you know, oh, this is I'm not a light switch. Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to work on this for a couple months and then everything's going to be all hunky dory. No, no, it's not that way. I, so. again, like I mentioned, I started, um, putting on the weight somewhere at puberty, 12, 13 years mm -hmm. old. And I still see a therapist. I still see a coach. Right. And I'm seven years out. Yeah. It may not be as often. Yeah. And yet, because we're crazy busy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I know. It's, yeah. it's because a lot of the kinks, so to speak, have been worked out. Yeah, and yeah. yet I continue to use it for accountability. I'm still leveling up. And so I think that's also important too, that your coach and your therapist are still working on themselves because we, again, this is a consistent healing process. Right. Well, I mean, and, and, and a perfect analogy for that is, you know, I was a professional educator for 25 years before I went into nutrition. And I used to tell the teachers that I coached, the teachers that I taught, it's like, if, if you ever get to the point where you stop learning, get out of the business. And so it's like, if your therapist isn't still growing, you know, and actively pursuing new knowledge, then that may not be the perfect fit for you, you know, because as a professional, I don't know it all. I don't either. And I, I will never know it all. And if I ever get to the point where I think I do, somebody slap the crap out of me because I will never know it all. And so it's like I'm constantly growing, and I know you are too. I mean, we, you know, you and I are both constantly signing up for some new certification class or, <laughs> or some continuing right. education, and we're reading journals. And, I mean, it's a constant voracious, you know, and empowerment of, of knowledge because we want to be able to provide that for our clients. And you know. if I feel that 
I'm not meeting the needs. I go out and say, look, I think you need a referral. Yes. Here's where I think you need to go. And I am very comfortable doing that because Absolutely. I feel that the continuity of care, I, I much prefer for someone to be getting their needs met than to be, you know, continuing to cycle through to spiral, yeah. to spiral. Like I'm much more comfortable saying, look, you need this EMDR, right. or you need this, or you need this, or, Hey, if you're not seeing a therapist, have you thought about seeing one or mm. whatever it may be? Um, and, and I have had clients who maybe we've hit a wall mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I've said, look, I think you need to go see somebody else. Right. And it's, there's a, there's a way that it's to be done because it's for their growth and betterment because sometimes it's that relationship that they get too comfortable. And so sometimes it's important to say, listen, this is where we've been for a while. There's mm -hmm. no growth here. Right. Why well, don't you go try and, this? And the beauty of that is they may go see someone else and hear the same thing, but it was said slightly different. And all of a sudden that light bulb goes off. Right. And, you know, I know oftentimes in, in my field, I will ha refer someone to someone else and they'll come back and they're like, oh my God, I get it now because they said this and it was the exact same thing you've been saying, but now all of a sudden it made sense. Yep. You know, so sometimes just hearing it from a different perspective, you know, because again, every therapist, every nutritionist, every, you know, we're all going to bring our own background experiences into things. And, you know, you're not always going to no. be able to make the progress with them that maybe someone else would. But and that's okay. It is totally and that's, okay. And that's what's so important is it's I the thing that what I learned in, I don't, I don't know if you call it grad school, therapy school, is if you take responsibility for every um, client, right? They're the ones who are growing. They're the ones who are learning. They have to take action on themselves. Yep. That's the thing that's so important. So I think this is a good segue. I want to hear your journey. I mean, some of it I already know, but yes, you already know a lot of it. So, um, okay. So, and speaking of, I know that you guys will, you'll hear Kristen and I kind of banter back and forth and, you know, I did the little woohoo with her doctorate because I was with her kind of on the, on the tail end of her journey. So I was there the day she received her doctorate. Yay. Um, I was one of the first, I don't think I was the first, I would be honored if I was that she told when she got it. But, um, anyway, so we're still celebrating. Um, okay, so for me, wow, um, as you've been talking in the back of my mind, I've been going, how am I going to start this? Where am I going to start? And I'm just like, okay, well, where do I start? Well, well let's start in this no. in the same place. What what was the decision maker um, when it came time for you to decide to have surgery? Like, what was your pinnacle moment? My pinnacle moment. Um, we were, I had taken a family vacation and gone to Alcatraz. We were on Ooh. Alcatraz, yeah. And... Um, I, if you've ever been to Alcatraz, I have the, not. there are incredibly steep slopes to get to the different buildings in the prison. And I couldn't make it up one of the hills without having to stop like four times. And I was in so much pain um, that I, I was not only horrified for my family because I had my two daughters with me and my husband at the time, um, but... I, I just, I was, I was just horrified and I was in so much pain and, you know, and I know, you know, the ladies out there will resonate with this, the whole chafing thing, and <gasps> just, you know, yes. it, 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 I hate the term, but the chub rub, um, it, it was horrific. And I actually, my thighs were bleeding and I got back to the hotel and I literally, I didn't want to come out of the bathroom. I was just, I was horrified and I'm like, that's it. 
I, something has to change. And, you know, I, like I shared during Kristen's story, you know, I started quote unquote gaining weight, you know, back in my teens when I really wasn't gaining weight at all. I was just becoming a woman. Um, but you know, my relationship with food and, you know, some strained family relationships at that time, which, you know, have then thankfully been, been healed, um, really led me to turn to food as my source of comfort. Um, not that uncommon, not uncommon. Um, you know, and you know, I'm not going to go into the details of things that happened during those years, but you know, when I graduated high school, I was five, seven and a half and I was 180 pounds. Um, and you know, while that wasn't terribly obese, I was still obese and you know, I was super athletic. I played softball competitively. I played on three or four leagues at a time in Florida. Um, you know, but I just, I had this horribly health, unhealthy relationship with food. Um, I grew up in a family of foodies. I've lived in several countries. I've always, you know, food has been the center of every family event, every, everything. And I love food. I love food to this day, but I just, it became this source of comfort. And so anytime anything was wrong, I, you know, fueled that, you know, sadness that whatever with food is like, I, food can make it better. I'll just go eat this gourmet meal and I'll feel so much better. And I won't have to worry about the dysfunctional, you know, part of my life that's going on or whatever. Um, and so, you know, and I did, I dieted. I mean, good God, I was put on Optifast when I was 16 years old. I mean, I remember my mother taking me to the doctor and I'm like Optifast at 16. Really? Um, you know, and so I, but when you were 16, did you think that then, or do you think that now looking back on that? Um, I knew I was embarrassed because I had to take my shakes to school with me. Oh gosh. You know, I mean, and I'm sitting out in the courtyard at my high school, shaking up my little shaker ball with my shake and all my friends are eating their hamburgers and pizza and French fries. And, you know, I remember skipping lunch because I didn't want anybody to see me eat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, you know, so I've done the dieting. I've done every diet known to mankind. And, you know, I've lost a hundred pounds, you know, five times over. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so many times, you know, or 50 pounds or 25 pounds or, you know, and every time I would lose the weight, it would stay for a while. And because I wasn't ever working on the mindset piece ever, it was always just what new diet, what money can I throw at the, you know, at the wall, hoping it's going to stick, you know, to this new diet, the what pills, can I try? The, the pill, diet. Oh my God. Adipex. And mm-hmm. I mean, injections and y'all, <laughs> I have a morbid fear of needles. And I even went through a diet program where I had to go in and get weekly injections. Oh, I did too. Yeah. And I'm like, it's crazy. Well, what ended up happening is I completely destroyed my metabolism completely. And, um, you know, so I, I did, I ballooned up to the last time I stepped on a scale, I was 283 pounds. Um, and like I said, I'm five, nine. Um, I know I was well over that when I went for my first surgical visit with my doctor, I was also cash pay. Um, when I went to the doctor, I wouldn't let them tell me what my weight was. I wouldn't let them show me. And I've never seen the picture that they take at that first visit. Cause you know, they stand you up against a wall oh, and they take yeah. a picture. I was horrified. I didn't want to see it. So I've never seen it. Um, but I don't know what my weight was at that, at that point. Um, 
And so, but it, it was a, it was an act of desperation. And again, for me to choose to have surgery, knowing my morbid fear of needles and surgery and all of that, then it, I was desperate. Um, and so I, I went in, um, the first week of June to have my first surgical consult and I got a call. Um, he told me to call when I was ready and I'm like, okay. So like the second week of July, I called, it was like right after 4th of July. And he's like, I'm like thinking it's going to be months. And he's like, okay, how about the 21st? Which was like a week and a half later. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so I went on a one week liquid diet and you know, he's like, I want you to lose 10 pounds. Well, I wouldn't step on a scale. So I don't know if I did or not. I lied, said I did. Um, but you know, I had my surgery and, you know, it, it, that was like, I also had the the sleeve, um, like Christian did. Um, you know, and I, I, again, being an educator, I did the research. I mean, I spent months researching this before I found the surgeon I wanted to use before I decided the surgery I wanted to have now knowing that honestly, it would have been my surgeon to determine the surgery that I had because, you know, your surgeon knows best. And yes, you can go in with, with an idea of what you want, but that may not be the best surgery for you. Come to find out the sleeve was the best surgery for me. Um, I mean, I could have had, you know, bypass, but I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that drastic of, you know, right. a surgery. Um, and so I had the surgery and I remember the next day after the surgery, the doctor came in and they, he handed me a green file, like a green, like school folder. Yep. And it had, I had a stain. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, um, it had some photocopied sheets in there that had been photocopied so many times they were crooked on the page. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, and so the first thing I did, because food was <laughs> did we go to life, the same surgical? I know, center? right. I know. <laughs> the first thing that I did was I'm like, I wanted to look and see what, you know, what does my food plan look like? Because I had done some research and I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like. And guys, it was literally one page. Oh yeah. And it was like the top box was, you know, clear liquids. Then it was full liquids. And then I had a little box of pureed foods and there was like four or five things that they recommended I eat, um, with no direction at all. And then it was soft foods. And then at week six, I was allowed to go to full foods and I could eat whatever the hell I wanted. Literally like you can eat anything, just eat smaller portions and make sure you get 60 to 70 grams of protein a day. Don't eat any carbohydrates and drink 65 ounces of water. That was the extent of my nutritional coaching. And so I'm like, I got this. I got this. I know nutrition. I was a caterer. I've, you know, I've dieted a million years. I've cooked low fat for years. I've done all this. I've done all And y'all, when I hit week four and I'm like, I do not have a clue what I'm doing. So as any good educator, I decided I'm going to go find out what, <laughs> what I need to really right. do because I knew what they had told me what was, was, was not right. I knew it wasn't going to work because I, I just, I just knew. It was too vague. It was too vague. And I, I just, I did know enough about nutrition to know that that wasn't healthy. You know, it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't healthy. You know, I went back for my, you know, three week visit to have my staples removed. And that was the last time I saw my surgeon. I never met with a dietitian, never met with a nutritionist ever. Not even at the center? No, not even at the center. I had one nutritional consult before the surgery and that was a joke. It really was. Now the, the center has since closed, but at the time when I went to him, he was the number one bariatric surgeon in the Dallas Fort Worth area. My, number one. my surgical center had 
dietitian visits that you had to in in our prepay plan mm-hmm. because again this was yeah, private yeah. pay at the time I think they've restructured at the time they had therapy visits which mm-hmm. we had and then that's when the on-site oh, never therapist, had a psych visit yeah they said you have to go and get your own yeah. therapist because the, you only have so many right and then we met with a trainer mm-hmm. so because it happened in Seattle and I lived in Georgia we had I don't know biweekly Skype meetings. Yeah. And at one point he said, 10,000 steps a day isn't going to cut it. You have to build muscle. But that was after, right, I think, like right. the three-month mark. I met with the dietitian, I think, biweekly. Mm-hmm. And yet, from what I remember, mm-hmm. because it's been quite a long time, it's still like a protein and a vegetable, a protein and vegetable. Right. And I think they try to keep it basic right. um, so that you can choose. Right. I think that, right. that that's what their intention is. Right. I think, but that you know, from, from your story, I think that's what confuses people even more oh, yeah. is yeah. that they tell you what to do, but they don't teach you how they don't teach you how to do it. Exactly. You know, and they don't have time. They don't have time. So, you know, I, I knew everything was wrong. I knew that what, you know, this wasn't going to get me where I needed to go and it wasn't going to change my lifestyle. Right. I knew that this was another diet. And I right. knew that that's was the thing that got me in trouble. And I didn't want to do that again. You know, I had read over and over and over that bariatric surgery resets your metabolism. You get a fresh new start. You know, yes. It's like starting over. And yes. I was like so excited about that. And I was so terrified because I had killed my metabolism. Guys, before I made the decision to have bariatric surgery, I went on a medically supervised diet um, where I was eating 700 calories a day. Now I know it's like, what was I thinking? Um, and I lost like 14 pounds, 14, 15 pounds. And I couldn't lose any more. And the doctors were like, what is going on? I was taking injections and I was on Adipex and I was like, and nothing, nothing would work because my metabolism had just completely died. It completely shut down. And I just simply couldn't lose weight. No matter what I did, we increased calories, couldn't lose weight. We dropped calories, couldn't lose weight. Nothing, nothing changed. I got that 14, 15 pounds and I was done. And so I was so afraid of doing that again because I was dieting and I knew that was wrong. So I, I, you know, found my own nutrition coach, um, and as a result was encouraged to become a nutrition coach. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. So my original start into this industry was I, I love to cook and I knew I could make bariatric food friendly, healthy recipes. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I started. I opened up my bariatric kitchen in October of uh, 2016. Um, And the idea was just going to be a hobby for mine because I was still working full time as an educator. Um, And I I actually had moved into the the public sector and was working for an online learning company providing remedial reading instruction. And I um, helped write their middle school curriculum. Um, But so I was working a full-time job. And so I just wanted a hobby. And since food was my passion, I thought this was no better way to do that. So I started my bariatric kitchen so I could start working on, you know, getting some healthy recipes out there to share with the bariatric world. Um, And do you remember what some of your first few recipes were? uh, Taco salad was one of them. The taco salad with salsa was one. Um, I did a protein ball. It was the toasted oat cranberry protein ball was one of my first. Um, yeah, they're still on the website. Yeah. They're still on the website. Um, in, in the files of my, 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 not on the website, but in my Facebook group, um, my bariatric kitchen, um, they're in the photo albums. And so I started it. And like I said, I started in October. I think it was like October 15th was the first day. And I sent my parents the link in my, you know, all my friends. And I'm like, what do you think? You know, I, I hadn't like actually taken it public. 
Well, within three months, I had over 10,000 members. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Crazy. And I started having people asking me because I was talking about my journey. I was talking about what I was doing and I was doing balanced macros and this is, you know, what kind of what my, I'm eating and here's some of the recipes that I'm using and, you know, I'm using my fitness pal. And so I started having people asking me to teach them how to do what I was doing. Well, I'm an educator and I can't do that if I want, if I'm not, you know, qualified. And I wasn't qualified at the time. I was just a patient. And so I made the decision to become a certified nutrition coach and I offered my first class um, in early 2017 and the rest is history. And I mean, you do a lot of things that I like, but I think one of my favorite things is the, and I forget exactly what it's called, so forgive me, (laughs) but it's where you clean out the pantry. It's where like, where you do this like pantry reboot. I don't even know what you call it, but, um, um, pantry basics maybe. Um, and you clean out the pantry because I think for everybody, who is on a health journey, Mm -hmm. whether they are single and living alone or whether they have seven people in their family Mm -hmm. that they're feeding. (laughs) Been there, done that. A pantry reboot is so important or pantry basics because what you have in your pantry is what you're consistently feeding your family. And I know from things that you've shared and from seeing it Mm -hmm. visibly in the Facebook group and on the site, there are so many moms that are like, oh my gosh, my kid ate this. He's never eaten yeah, blank whatever. blank in the, yeah. in the four. And yeah. he asked for a second helping. And this is amazing. And my or kid, my husband, my you husband, know. you know, d- told me he didn't want to eat diet food. Right. And now, yeah. Well, I had one yesterday that I just loved. And one of the mem- one of my members um, posted in the, in the subscription group that um, her husband wants to go through all the MBK recipes and pick out all their favorites. And he wants her to create a custom meal plan using (laughs) just their favorite recipes. I love it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, when you have that impact, but you know, so for me, you know, this, what a testimony to, it is, it it is. And it, you know, it's, it, yeah. And it's real food. It is real food. It is real food. And you know, and that's the thing is, you know, we can package diet ourselves to death. Um, and you know, my focus has always been, I wanted it to be healthy. I wanted it to be the best because I didn't surgically alter my body for life to put crap in it. Um, and there's a lot of bariatric diet food out there. That's crap. And there's, there's some good stuff out there too, you know, prepackaged and things, but guys, if you're not willing to make the change to a healthier lifestyle, if you're not willing to make your health an investment instead of an expense, that's where the problem happens. And so my whole mantra, that is an uncomfortable truth. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. But you know, it's I. You know, I I started the, my whole journey with the recipes, and I want to create healthy, delicious, gourmet tasting foods for my family. Things that I would feed my children, all the way up to my ninety-two year old grandmother, um, that meet my needs too. So everything I put on the table is something I would feed any member of my family because it's healthy and it's delicious. Um, and it doesn't taste like diet food, you know? Oh, it does not. (laughs) It does not. We've done several retreats together and there are some people that come to the retreats and they will admittedly say, I don't know how to cook or Mm -hmm. I've been a subscriber of your meal plan. I've only cooked five things. Right, right. And they're like, please teach me, please teach me. And they will come. And like their faces light up like they're at Disney. Like they are like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. Wait a minute. 
how many how many calories are yeah, in this yeah. and how many macros? what are yeah. the macros yeah and it's because it is gourmet yeah. And but it's it, easy. It's easy. It's easy. Yes, I do have some complicated recipes. I do. I have some special occasion things that, you know, take more than 20 or 30 minutes in the kitchen. Yeah, but your your quinoa but, four ways. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just gonna tell you guys. Keen, I'm sorry, sidebar. Quinoa <laughs> squirrel. Keen, squirrel. Quinoa four ways. It could be four different lunches, four different dinners, or packaged lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. And you I forget what it is, Greek. Mexican, Greek, Italian, Mexican, and Italian. Yeah. Greek, Italian, Mexican. Oh, oh, Cajun. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, and you cook it all at the same time. It's like a sheet pan supper. So you make the quinoa and then you divide a, a sheet pan into four sections and you, each one has one chicken breast that's seasoned, you know, with its own little section of vegetables and you cook it, it all at one time and it's amazing. And you've done it before where you've had, okay, so there's the quinoa. And then you do another one for people who are, let's say, doing an even lower carb or they're on a modified keto. Using cauliflower rice. Using cauliflower rice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... They're so good. They're so good. Yeah. And I think that's the other pieces that I love is, and I will tell people constantly from the mindset perspective, like, this is not a diet. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can find healthy, delicious options that are sustaining... That's what I love about this yeah. is it's all about the sustenance because yeah. it's not a freaking diet right. for the rest. Cause this is about living healthy for the rest of your life. And I go into the mindset piece of what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What does that healthy lifestyle look like for you and getting people to picture it and how can you make your favorite foods yes. in a healthy way? And you do that. You well, do one of that. my favorite things to do is when a member sends me a recipe and is like, can you please verify this for me? It's like, yup, I can. <laughs> and I will. I mean, now there have been times I can't, but for the most part, I've been able to, you know, to come up with a bariatric friendly version. Um, but, you know, you said something just a minute ago and it's like my, my actual name of my company is Living Healthy Nutrition. Um, and then my bariatric kitchen is, a, you know, kind of a part of that umbrella. But my tagline is I'm living healthy now. I mean, because this is, there's no diet anywhere in what I talk about. If I slip and say the word diet, it's not because I'm talking about a diet to lose weight. I'm talking about diet as a nutritional plan. You know, it's a plan for life. It's like your diet consists of fruits and vegetables and whole, you know, whole grains and, you know, healthy lean, you know, healthy lean meats. I think that that word has been... If I may say bastardized, oh my gosh, (laughs) jinx Jinx. has been bastardized because whenever I hear diet, like I literally, because I cringe, like I have a visceral reaction and I purposefully say plan. Mm -hmm. What is your plan? What is your meal plan? What is your lifestyle plan purposefully? Because when I hear diet or even on books where I Mm -hmm. see, you know, somebody has put diet out on there, Mm -hmm. like I literally like twitch Yeah, just because in my mind, diet equals deprivation. Yeah. And I am not depriving myself. No. And y'all, my food does not deprive you of anything. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. It just doesn't. You know, and it's like, how many times have we done that diet? And I'm using my little air quotes. Quotations. Yeah, my little air, my finger air quotes. But how many times have we done, you know, oh my God, if I ever eat another piece of baked chicken with steamed broccoli again, I'm going to puke. I mean, we've done that. We've all done that. I, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, um, my diet food, since we're going down this was tuna. Ah, yeah. 
like, I think you may have had <laughs> somebody, some, I don't know where I saw it. I saw like somewhere a tuna casserole and that made me twitch too, because <laughs> tuna was something that I ate for years yeah. as, as diet food. Yeah. And yeah. I love tuna. As a matter of fact, just last week we had a harvest tuna salad. Yeah. yeah I'm not there so yet. Good. I'm not there. I'm, I'm still working on rewiring hey, my brain around you know, tuna. I just fed somebody cauliflower last night. Well, you might have to make me something with I tuna in it. And enough. then we'll have to talk about it Creole on a future episode. Cakes. Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, so yeah. Well, I'll get her. I can't. <laughs> so anyway, so that there's, Kind of my journey. Um, so when I started, you know, my bariatric kitchen and it ended up transforming literally by falling into my lap um, from just, I'm going to share some recipes to a full-blown nutritional coaching program. Um, I knew that, you know, and I, I, I'm just going to go there. I knew that this was something that God had placed in my lap. Yeah. Um, Divinely you know, I, guided. It, for sure. I mean, I had prayed for years for the next phase of my life to reveal itself to me. It's like, where do I go now? And, you know, this just happened and it was so pur purposeful and it was so magical. And it's like, as soon as I made the realization that, oh my God, this is, this is it. I, I literally left my career of 25 years and never looked back. So I have a double-edged question for okay. you. And well, that is, me. right. What is your biggest aha moment as a patient? And what is your biggest aha moment as a professional on this journey? Hmm. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So, all right. So, the first question, my biggest. Maybe aha, I should do Jeopardy. I know. Do, 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 do. Um, my first. Okay. The first aha moment as a patient. Honestly, well, it's it's kind of a twofold since we're having a double edged. Yes. Question. Yes. Um, it's kind of twofold in that carbs are not the enemy. Yes. And. Healthy food can be delicious. Yes. Period. Yeah. I mean that 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 was the biggest. Is that your answer? For, is that your final answer for both, Patricia? Uh, wait, what was the second question? I already forgot the second question. What is what is your biggest aha moment as a professional? Oh, as a professional, um, my biggest aha moment was the reason you're sitting here next to me is that it's not nutrition alone. It cannot be nutrition alone. It has to be mindset and it has to be fitness. It has to be all three, which is why I also found Natalie Heckert. So, yeah. um, you know, and for those of you that, that don't know and are just listening to us for the first time, um, there are three of us on, on my team in my bariatric kitchen. And so it's myself as the nutrition expert. Um, and then I have Kristen, Dr. Dr. Kristen, um, who is the mindset expert. And then I have Natalie Heckert, who is our fitness expert. Um, and you know, Kristen did mention retreats. Yes, we do in-person retreats when we're not, <laughs> not under the Rona. Um, I know we had to cancel retreats and it's just heartbreaking, but, um, but we offer in before retreats. COVID. Yes, before, <laughs> before COVID. Um, but you know, and now we're offering virtual retreats. Speaking of virtual retreats, we, um, we have two more coming up this year. So we do virtual retreats. They last a whole weekend. They are amazing. Um, we've had, you know, comments of, oh my God, this has been life-changing for me. You know, so um, tons of testimonials that have come out of the two retreats that we've already done. And people are but, still watching the replays of uh, all of the things that we've done. And re-enrolling. And re-enrolling, like, yeah. 25% of our first retreat re-enrolled for the second one. Um, because we have different... Yeah, it's different content and they just saw the value of, of spending an entire weekend with us crazy ladies. Right. Um, so, but... Um, we know how to have a good time. Yes, we do. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, so but I guess that those would be my ahas for sure. You know, one is that carbs are are not the enemy. It's choosing the right carbs. It is. Um, and nothing grates me more than someone saying, my doctor said I'm not allowed to eat any carbs. I'm like, so you're telling me you don't ever eat fruits and vegetables? Because those are carbs. And what they mean to say is my doctor told me not to eat starchy carbs like potatoes, rice, bread, things like that. Right. But again, that's my mission to, is to educate people in the nutrition aspect. So hence, we have My Bariatric Kitchen and Living Healthy Nutrition. And yeah, How did you find me? How did I find you? Yeah. I stalked you. You did? I did. I, I had no you. idea. I totally stalked this you. This is new. Yeah. No, I totally stalked you. Um, so when I made the realization that I had to have a mindset person, I went on a mission to find um, counselors or therapists that worked with bariatric patients. And so I found a few. Um, and I kind of followed, a, I narrowed it down to three. One was like, mm-mm, <laughs> immediately. And I watched the other with you and there was just something about you that just resonated in my heart. Um, and so I, is it my grace or my personality? Um, so, um, anyway, so I reached out to you and then the first time I opened up a message to you, I don't know if you remember this, I opened up. So I clicked on your profile and I opened up a message and there was a previous message and I'm like, what is this message? When did I talk to her before? When I had first started my group, your admin had gone in and spammed my group with your business. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but we don't allow this. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And that was our first exposure to each other. I don't even know if you even remember that. But then I'm like, so I was like messaging. I'm like, hey. And then, of course, I'm like eating humble pie because I'm like, I asked her not to post. And now I'm asking her to join my business. Um, <laughs> But we met for lunch at Cafe Effendi and... Total Plug in, yes, in Alpharetta. Yes, in Alpharetta. It's amazing. Um, and the rest is history because I absolutely fell in love with you the first time we met. I mean, we had such, you know, weird friendship chemistry that happened. I mean, it's like I felt like I had known you forever. Actually, our first Zoom call was before that. Oh, yeah. Because I was still living in Dallas. And I had told you that I'm coming to Atlanta to visit my family. We have to meet. And we met and it was like hours. We sat and talked and like the rest is history. So, it was just so easy. Yeah, it was so easy. And y'all, we're scary when we get together. I'm just going to say <laughs> My husband will call, are you leaving yet? Are you leaving? Are you, you didn't bring an overnight bag. You need to come home and feed us. We are hungry. Right. <laughs> like. You can see her again. I never get to see her. (laughs) So, but yeah. So, I mean, anyway, so, you know, that's us. That's, that's us. Um, We both have a very deep seated and to get kind of serious for a minute. um, Passion. Passion. A drive for, for helping others. Um, And it really stems out of our own journeys and our own frustrations. And, you know, um, I have equal parts compassion and frustration yeah, for yeah. our clients. Well, and, and I didn't talk about this and I meant to. So, you know, on my last known weight, I was 283. So I, I lost 124 pounds in 13 months without any stalls, um, following balance macros. Um, I did have a regain um, this past year um, with the... Damn COVID. Uh, well, COVID and the end of my marriage. Um, and so, um, I did regain, but I, as soon as I got out of that situation, I immediately dropped it off. I have eight pounds left to lose, um, to be back where I was. Um, I've started playing tennis, which I'm super 
super excited about. So, and I never would have thought I ever could have done that again. Um, I just came back from a, a vacation where I, you know, hiked in the mountains. I mean, one of the hikes was nearly seven miles one day and it was, it felt like it was all uphill and I did it and I was like a beast and I was so proud of myself, but you know, I'm doing things now yep. in my life that I never thought I would do again. And, um, you know, but I think because of our experiences and because of who we are and because that in our inner core, we are both coaches, we're both teachers, and we both have that mindset of never wanting to stop learning, that we're going to continue to do whatever we have to do for our clients to make sure that they're successful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, neither of us are really afraid to share our personal experiences. You know, I hesitated in the beginning to share with my clients that I had gained some weight. Because, hello, I'm the face of, you know, 30,000 people in, in my Facebook group. And, you know, and I gained weight. What? But then I realized, you know what? No. Or the, or the divorce. Yeah, or the divorce. Yeah. And which, which we, uh, you know, not your divorce, but we're yeah. in one of our future um, episodes, episodes, we're going to talk about divorce because yeah. that's something that really impacts the bariatric community. Yeah, it does. It's, it's sad. And, you know, but it happens. And you can come out of it on the other side, just like I have. And, you know, your life will be great. And, you know, it's, there's just so much to what we bring and the passion and that, you know, that just tenacity to never give up on our clients. Um, and, you know, the fact that every time we get together, it's like, oh, let's do this. And, oh, we can do this for our people. And, oh, my gosh, we have to do this. And, you know, it's just, it just never ends. Um, so that kind of is what brought us to the podcast to begin with is just, we wanted to have one more venue to, to share tools, resources, guidance with our people. Yeah. Yeah. Because not everybody's on Facebook and that's, that's where we pretty much live. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and so not everybody's on there and I think people want to hear more Absolutely. Of the voice and the reasons behind it. And this is not going to be like necessarily like trainings. This is going to be more of a, um, well, definitely collaborative. Well, and I think there'll be teachable moments. There'll be a lot of teachable moments. I mean. And uncomfortable truths. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Yeah. So, um, which is one of our segments that we, we discovered that, you know, this, this is what we need to do. So speaking of uncomfortable truths. Yes. Um, do you want to kick yours off first? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uncomfortable truths. Um, one of the things that it came up as I was thinking about my journey was before I had surgery was that I would constantly put a timeline on when life would be awesome. Yes. And I would say, when I got this new car, mm-hmm. then I'll go to the gym. Right. When I get to this weight, then this is going to happen. Right. Or when I am enough, you know, yeah. then when I move into my apartment and out of my parents' house, I'll finally start exercising because I'll have a gym. Right. Right. Yeah. Or yes. Yeah. So I Instead think of just getting off my ass and starting exactly with whatever I have right there. Exactly. Yeah. And I think when this is an uncomfortable truth because we're procrastinating our lives away. Mm -hmm. And when we focus on the, when, then, when this, Ooh, when I lose the weight, then I'll be happy. So I see people stuck in that. And then there's that whole emotional Mm -hmm. eating piece. I lost all the weight and I'm still miserable. Right. And so that is the thing is the weight loss is not a magic bullet. Right. Um, as we talked about earlier, I think what's really 
important is, and you guys can use this as a tool is how many, when thens perpetuate your life mm -hmm. and actually keep you stuck. And that was part of that inner terrorist that I talked about yeah, earlier yeah. is how often did I, when then myself and lose opportunities. And when we come face to face with that uncomfortable truth that mm -hmm. oh, I'm really like pissing my life away essentially right. because yeah. I'm procrastinating it away because I have this mindset that when this, then that, mm -hmm. and how is that keeping me stuck right. in an old pattern? And it's sometimes uncomfortable to face it. And sometimes it's an uncomfortable to do something different right. to face a new reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think that, that my uncomfortable truth really kind of stems from that in mine is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Um, I and I that. know that that's a, you know, a term that, that many of us have heard before, but in the bariatric world, it really is super relevant, um, not only from a nutrition standpoint, but from a mindset standpoint is, you know, if you don't plan to get the help to make the changes that need to happen for your mindset, then you're going to fail. I mean, it may not be a terrible failure, but you're not going to achieve the results that you wish you could achieve. To add to that though, to add to that. And this is where we so much play off each other. Um, <laughs> to add to that is so often if you fail to plan and then at the last minute you're starving, you're relying on willpower, mm -hmm. willpower will not save you. And we give way too much credit to willpower and then we shame ourselves, yes. which is a huge problem. Yep. Discipline trumps willpower. Absolutely. And so when you, when you plan mm -hmm. and you think in advance it's like a little safety net yeah. in some ways. Oh, it's totally a safety net and which plays into where I want to go with it. And that's, you know, I say this to my clients all the time, pick the plan, prep the plan, follow the plan. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to achieve your goals. You know, I like to think of, you know, our weight loss journey as a literal journey. And at the end of any journey, like when you're going on vacation, you're going on a journey, you have a destination in mind. Well, for your weight loss, the end of our journey is achieving that goal that we have. Aww. Yeah, I know, that magic number, <laughs> whatever we have. Um, well, first of all, this journey never ends. It just changes directions. Correct. And it just keeps on going. Yep. The work never ends. But, you know, sticking with that failing to plan and having that accountability, having that, you know, if you plan ahead of time, so for instance, on my meal plans, I put the meal plans out every Friday for my subscribers. And there, there's a reason I do that is because I want them to have in front of them their whole roadmap for the week. So I'm not going to get in the car and go on a vacation and go, okay, I want to go from Atlanta to San Francisco. I'm just going to start driving. I don't know which road to take. I'm just going to go the direction I think I'm going to go. You no. will end up in Austin. Yeah, you'll end up <laughs> wherever. But, you know, it's like, it, so I have a roadmap. I mean, I have a map to get me from point A to point B. Well, if your weight loss is a journey, you have a map and it's called your meal plan. You know, mm -hmm. you have to plan your food. And if you plan your food ahead of time and then you prep that plan so that the food is easy to access, so that you have the food ready, you've done the grocery shopping already, your week is laid out, and then you follow that plan by eating the food that you prepared you're going to achieve success. The other thing I want to note though, is that there are people, I'm going to sound like the devil's advocate for a second. Mm -hmm. There are people who are going to say, but what if I don't want that? And the thing that I like about your plan is that it's so interchangeable. Okay. Yeah. If you don't want the 
whatever chicken salad, yeah. then switch it with, you know, the quinoa four right. ways or right. whatever, because when you've planned it, it's like, okay, well, I want this for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the mindset is important in terms of priming yourself each week, because I've been meal prepping for years, even before I met you. And I would make a couple different things and it would, you know, lunch would come and it's like, oh, I don't want that eggplant thing. Oh, I want this, you know, Philly cheese skillet or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, I want this. And so you can set that up for yourself where you have these, you know, three or four different options and Absolutely. it doesn't necessarily have to be, you eat this on Tuesday, right? you eat right. this on Wednesday. Right. It's, it can now you can do that. You can. I mean, cause I have the meal plan that that's the way it's laid out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's, you know, your six right. meals, your three meals and your three snacks all planned out. You can follow that. And I do, I have members who do that, but I also have members who do exactly what you're just talking about is they, they kind of pick and choose and make it work still within the macros, correct? you know, for their, for their plan, but they, they tweak things. I mean, even myself, you know, and I've been in maintenance now for, um, going on three years and, you know, even my plan, like, you know, Monday was my meal prep day because I was on vacation last week. Um, so Monday was my meal prep day and I made, um, Korean steak skewers with an egg roll skillet. I made chicken shawarma, um, and I did a taco pie. So yep. those were the three big meals that I made for myself this week. And, you know, but I didn't necessarily know which day I was going to have what. I mean, I had a general idea. And then like for lunches, I had Big Mac salad and then I did a, a cheddar um, bacon ranch stuffed tomato. Um, and so I could kind of mix and match them and the macros still worked, you know, because they were on my plate. Right. And so, you know, but I'm that's where, on plan. that's where I think the discipline comes right. in. And that's where I think again, when we rely well, and on knowledge and, and knowledge, knowledge, I mean, it comes from knowledge is if you've never eaten, if you've never cooked for yourself and many of us didn't, a lot of people are like, Patricia, I don't know how to cook. I, I I've never cooked. I ate out of a box or we ate fast food or, you know, I ate it from the freezer, you know? And so you're just learning how to cook. Well, you need that structure, but as you gain knowledge, you gain empowerment. Right. And that when, with that empowerment, you are confident enough to switch things up. You know, and it's like the member who, you know, she and her husband want to go through and pick out all their favorite recipes and create their own custom meal plan this right. week. Right. And they're like, what do we do? And I'm like, and I told them exactly what to do. I'm like, go here, look at this, do this. You've got this. And I'm here to help if you need it. You know, because I can be that handhold for you if you need that. Right. But then you can also take the plan and just follow the plan and, and it works. You know, yeah. I have people who come in and only want the recipes. They don't even look at the plans. They just want the recipes each week. And guys, you know, I've got over 2,000 that I've developed. Right. You know, so, I mean, there's tons of recipes. So, you know, some people just want the recipes. Some people want the handholding of the structure. Some people, you know, want the, the mindset, the fitness, the nutritional coaching, right. the classes and things that we offer. I mean, it's all there. So you, you make it work for where you are. Right. And if you don't know where you are and you need us to tell you, we will. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, we'll guide you. It's like, we'll tell you, we'll help you get there. But, you know, so that, you know, again, those uncomfortable truths, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And Kristen's is the, um, when then, when then, yeah, when this, then that. Right. And I, I think that that goes back to what you have not yet faced. Right. Right. The truth of what you need to face. Right. So when then, when this, then that. Right. And I think what's right. most important about that uncomfortable truth is coming face to face at the lies you've been telling yourself at to uncovering the discomfort in the promises that you've made and then are unable to follow through with or yeah. take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So Christian and I were looking at each other going, <gasps> we talked a lot. We talked a lot. This was fun. This is fun. I can't wait. I know. This is going to be so exciting. Okay. So guys, we're going to wrap it up today. Um, but you know, please, now that you know us, yeah, now that you know us, um, we would love to hear from you. Um, and we will post, um, with the podcast, um, our email address. So if you have some win thens that you've been dealing with, or you have some food questions, or if you just have questions that you want to, um, us to address at some point in one of our podcasts, um, or maybe if you'd like to be a guest, um, you know, please definitely reach out to us. Let us know, um, your comments and things are welcome. And, you know, we'd love for you to share the podcast, you know, however, in whatever platform, you know, with others, maybe your bariatric surgery group, maybe you have friends who are bariatric patients, um, or even just, you know, people who are considering bariatric surgery or just weight loss, because guys, here's the thing, everything that Christian and I do, there's no magic bariatric mojo that goes on here. No, nope. it's, it's healthy for everybody. I mean, I have clients who are non-bariatric who are being successful. I do too. I have clients who are bariatric who have family members who are also working with us who are being successful and yep. they're not bariatric. You know, I mean, I have one who's lost over a hundred pounds. Her sister did. Um, and she's not bariatric. She's just following the same, you know, plans and modifying them slightly for, you know, from what her sister's doing. It's about living healthy. Um, it's all about living healthy. So, and that's, that's the whole you know, point to macrosomize it. So anyways, okay guys, well, we are going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you uh, next, next time. time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The content included in this podcast is for information and education purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your surgeon, physician, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical issue or concerns. Thanks.